It's the Curiously Insane Podcast. Time for tea with the facts. What it do, what it be. It's your boy Tyler Transom here with the Curiously Insane Podcast, where we find out what fires people up. And in doing so, we fire you up to find your Everest and climb it. Because, baby, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight of the dog. Let's go, bro. Today, we are honored to have the one, the only, Josh Rittenhouse from Partake Goods. And let me, real quick, let me drop this in here. Uh, let me share this screen. Dang. This bad boy. Yep, yep. There we go. Dude, look <laughs> at this. For all our beautiful viewers out there, this is what I'm talking about. You can find Partake Goods at www partake p-a-r-t-a-k-e goods.com so josh what's happening my man not much thanks for having me absolutely thank you so much for coming on bro i uh <coughs> i wanted to reach out and see if you want to be on here because one of the things that always stuck with me all right and it's helped me with my journey and uh, filmmaking or just life in general is man i always respect people who kind of set a goal and then stick to it. And I recall a few years back for Partake Goods, <coughs> pardon me, did you do like a 365 day challenge, correct? Yeah. Something to that effect? I guess it was like, in 2018. Um, yeah, started January 1st and went through this till December 31st, just carving a spoon every day. Carving a spoon every single day yeah so that's what first got me into carving i saw uh, another person doing that same kind of challenge or project whatever you want to call it um, okay so yeah after i was carving for a few years and stuff i was like oh well it was cool to see him do it it's challenging you learn a lot and expose other people to the craft and whatnot along the way so yeah i had, uh, decided to do the same thing <coughs> now have you always been into woodworking like <coughs> i remember you being a musician uh you played guitar and stuff growing up um i'm trying to think i know you were into like video games and computers and the internet early on and all that stuff uh were you very handy and into woodworking and building stuff? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I was always in the shop with my dad. Uh, my dad always had a shop out back. So him and I did a lot, built a lot of stuff over the years. Um, and then do, during high school, at some point, one of my electives was woodworking. I did for okay. two years. So during that time, I kind of got back into it. At school, and I uh, was working on stuff at home and everything. And then, yeah, after that, it was on and off for a bit. And then I started really getting into like traditional woodwork with hand tools and stuff, and not as much power tools. And then that's what eventually led me to spoon carving and everything. <coughs> so, Josh, if you look on your screen, is this what you're talking? About? These are like the hand tools you're using. Yeah, so um, other than a chainsaw to 
to cut the log up initially, everything else is done with hand tools. So I use a an axe, a small hatchet axe to do the initial shaping. And then after that, it's like that knife right there. And um, some of the other pictures would show like the scorp and stuff I use the, to round the bowls out and everything. Uh, yeah, if you go to the top and just hit shop. Yeah. So yeah, like right oh, there in the middle is one of them. Yeah, so that's a, a hook knife. So I use that and the other one's called a scorp where it actually loops all the way around and goes back into the handle um, to, uh, to hollow the bowls out. Wow. Man, that is insane. So you cut your own wood and, you know, like, are you going out in your backyard? Are you going into state forests? I don't know if that's legal. I'm not like, where, where, so don't, uh, yeah, don't do anything that's going to jeopardize your company. But no. like, where are you getting your wood that you're cutting it down? You just go find it? It kind of just worked out naturally. Uh, the year that I actually like on day two or three of 2018, when I started the year long project, we moved. And it just so happened we moved into a house with like four and a half acres and most of it is wooded. So the year that I started carving the most, I had an endless supply of fallen wood. So that's all I've been carving since we moved here. Oh um, man. So it's yeah. already down. You don't even have to chop it. I mean, you just got to like, uh, right. Some know. of it, like I had to take a walnut tree down to put my current shop and we built, I built actually the a pole barn for my shop. So I had to have a big walnut tree taken down that was in the way of that. So I carved a lot of that. I still have a lot of it left. And then our property was not maintained for 30 or 40 years or probably at least like 20 years or something. Um, it was just a single woman living here for a while. So yeah, there's a lot of wood to clean up that I can kind of pull from and there's Man. still more coming down. So any storms we have occasionally, unfortunately brings another tree down. So then I pull from that. But yeah, That sounds like a good deal, bro. That's rather serendipitous that you just have kind of an endless supply of, you know, of your materials. Um, yeah, I was fortunate. I don't know that I would have made it through the whole, that year long project. Cause I don't think I've really realized at the start of that, how much material I would need. And before I moved, obviously I had to source it elsewhere. So I had to like ask people if they had trees down or limbs or whatever, huh. or find wood in other ways. Um, so yeah, it would have been more challenging if I didn't, if I couldn't just walk out back and cut a portion of a, tree up on the ground off and carve it um yeah it would have been harder so so there are ways to to do it but uh yeah yeah well and massive credit to you too i mean i i love that part of the story just hearing like so you built your own shop you said you had to remove a tree uh you said a pole barn or something like that yeah so um yeah when we were moving of course it was uh the only uh 
one of the restrictions we had is we wanted a house with a garage or an outbuilding or something for a shop. And of course we bought a house that did not have either. So, so I um, cleared an area out and we built a, a pole barn. What's that like? Something like this? Um, it's completely closed in. So it's, it has like the metal siding, like some of the other pictures there. Um, pole barn basically means instead of like a full concrete footing as the foundation, you put poles like big six by six poles, like four feet into the ground. Um, and then the, gotcha. the walls get constructed to those. So instead of like a traditional house or whatever that are probably have like concrete footings and then are get built on top of that, um, pole barns have big poles sunk into the ground and then you build your walls directly onto those. Huh? So that was an under, taking as well which was actually happening while i was doing that project which was, was challenging some days because it was doing that for what like 12 hours on the weekend day or something and then having to carve a spoon quick so i could keep that project going yeah oh um, my gosh and like yeah. so let me ask did you just like google or youtube eh, how to how to assemble a pole barn like you didn't go to school for pole barn building or anything like that you just said ah somebody's done it before there must be a way and i i if i get the materials i i can put it together or build it um yeah more or less so i looked into having it built and i looked into even um i have a builder locally that would have kind of let me help and stuff which probably would have been a better way to do it but <laughs> i think like with timing and stuff at the time i was like um i'll just do it so yeah i found a, a local supply company that actually will kit everything together so you can give them dimensions doors windows whatever you want oh. and they'll kind of kit everything together and drop it all off at once so I got all of the lumber and siding, roofing, trusses dropped off at once. And then took me over a year to finish it. But uh, I rented, I, uh, first time I ever ran a skid steer. So I, we live on like a hillside. So I had to rent a skid steer and excavate and level an area <laughs> out. Holy cow. And then I hired a local excavator that came in and fit to finish it for me. Okay. And he had a big auger on his skid steer. So he augered out the holes that I needed for to put the poles in. And then after that, uh, luckily, I have some awesome friends. They came out on weekends whenever they could and helped me. And yeah, we built the thing. Dude, that's sick. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I, for whatever reason... Um, you know, as much as I've been able to develop like filmmaking skills and like framing objects and cinematography and all that stuff, man, one thing I've never been good at is being like handy. And I'm talking like, dude, I always had the ideas. I remember being a kid, eight years old, nine years old, we'd get like pieces of wood. We'd like fashion a crossbow out of it, like make our own crossbow. Mm -hmm. It was somewhat functional. But, oh, my gosh, it was hideous to look at. And same deal. We'd add, like, additions onto the treehouse and stuff. And it was just always such an eyesore. Oh, I wish I had pictures to compare uh, your and my 
sheds built in what was uh, Mr. Schultz like was that ninth grade check at or something like that? I think it was middle school, seventh or, or eighth. Yeah, it was middle school. Yeah. It was probably seventh. I think eighth was Balmer then. Yeah, I think so. However, it was, but oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> measure twice, cut one. Well, sorry, yeah, measure twice, <laughs> cut once. Bro, I'm not a measure twice, cut once. Yeah, I even measure <laughs> twice and cut once. And the thing still, the little shed with those, uh, you know, everything scaled down, the little pieces of balsa wood or whatever they were. Yeah. Man, I, I could not, I could not put it together. How did yours look back then? Was yours good? Have you always been able to assemble stuff that it looks nice and neat? Um, probably. Uh, yeah, I've always been particular. So, okay. Um, I guess that's one thing that helped actually doing that year long project helped me with was not being quite as of a perfectionist, as much of a perfectionist and mm. being able to just to finish something rather than constantly try to improve it and change it or whatever. Um, so with that hard deadline every day, it's, you just have to finish it. So, um, yeah, I think that's one thing that's kind of, that helped me during that whole thing was learning the balance there of still producing something you're happy with and proud of and is functional, but not, getting every little facet of it perfect. Yeah. So that can, yeah, that can definitely bog you down. I love the hustle. Um, and that's cool. I love, I think perspective is a big thing too, about like, you know, these journeys that we're on is, you know, you can look at, oh man, I got to do a spoon every stinking day. Why did I agree to that? Or you can look at it as right. Oh man, this is helping shape me into somebody who's maybe, yeah, not quite a perfectionist and understands that, oh, dude, it it's fine just the way it is. I know you're putting in, it, it, let me ask you, okay, let me ask you this. How many hours would you say it takes to make a spoon from the sawing, the, the log that you need to then mm -hmm. whittling it all down, or uh, sorry, I guess using a, a hatchet or something you said, and then whittling and all that. Like how many hours are going into that? Um, it's probably... Depends on the, the wood and what type of spoon and stuff, but it's over an hour puts up probably up to like three hours per spoon. That um, is crazy. Yeah, they get, I mostly do them in batches. So it's not like, like I'm not just saying they're doing one spoon for two hours and then doing the next one or whatever. So it's like, I'm, I'm batching all of them. So I'm doing like, I'm out in the shop at my stump, basically like a big stump I put on legs to hatch it on. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll ax out a bunch of blanks at once and then I'll go to knife work and like rough carve a bunch of them. And then I'll kind of go back and do all the finishing cuts at the end and finish them. And do you have an image in your head before you go to start cutting? Are you like, huh, I'd like it to look like this? Or do you almost just kind of go with some sort of whatever inspiration and just start going and you, it comes to you as you, you know, it like reveals itself as you're cutting? Right, yeah. Anymore, it's kind of more whatever 
whatever comes out as I'm carving. At the beginning, I was definitely kind of looking at other carvers' work and stuff and had something very, like in mind. So that would be like, I will cut the initial blank and then I would actually take a pen pencil and sketch out what I'm trying to get at and everything. Um, anymore, I don't use a pencil at all. It is just, I will just go at it with an ax. However, I kind of envision it as I go. And sometimes even the wood will, will dictate that. So I try not to get ahead of myself and, and think, oh, I really need this to look like this because then I'll like split the log open and there will be a knot right where it, right where like the handle will need to be or whatever. So rather than say, oh, well, I really wanted this one. So I'll just throw this piece out and get another one. You can be flexible about it and just work around it, either shorten it, you know, like I might've been planning to do a cooking spoon out of this one, but now it's a coffee scoop because there's a big knot in the handle or something like that. Dude, that is sick. <laughs> I love it, man. And it's so, I mean, people, yeah, go to, if you're listening to the podcast and not uh, able to view this stuff, I mean, go, like, dude, just go to these, his uh, partakegoods.com. I mean, this is, this is beautiful. And are you doing the like photography and marketing for this as well? Because that's something else that really catches my eye is that, wow, these are clean photos, well-framed. Um, I love the compositions yeah, of them. Yeah, actually, um, I just updated my website over the weekend. So there's like 63 products I just added. So it took me like three or four hours over the weekend. I just shot all of those photos and added them all to the website and stuff. So yeah, I'm do I do all that. Man, dude, that is, that's gnarly, dude. I love it. You're, you're a modern day Renaissance man. Straight up, straight up. You're playing guitar. You're making coffee scoops. You're building pole barns. You're marketing it all in a very clean and professional manner. You, I assume you uh, built the website yourself. Yeah. You, it's like, built on Shopify. So, okay. Um, it's just one of their templates. I messed around with building it and ultimately didn't want to put that much time into it. So I went with the templated version and uh, put my time elsewhere. Well, it looks great. And what do, um, where is most, uh, like, where can people follow most of your stuff? I, I used to see it on Facebook, I feel like, but are you, what, mostly on Instagram or? Yeah, I, yeah, just kind of came off of a maybe one or two year hiatus or I wasn't, I was still working, but I wasn't posting anything. Um, so now I'm back on Instagram mostly. Um, when I remember, I'll click the little thing and throw it on Facebook as well. But, uh, yeah, the most reliable place to find what I'm currently working on would be Instagram. That's amazing. And, and I don't know if people out there, well, maybe they understand and appreciate, but for me, yeah, dude, like, so I'm doing TT productions and Dockside media. Uh, I think they're the two main channels I'm running right now, pages, companies, but like, dude, I, like I'm maxed out at, at Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Like, uh, I'd love to do Instagram too, but it's amazing how much just one more social media site 
even when you're copying, pasting the stuff, but like you had an Instagram, now I got to throw in uh, tags, right? Like the hashtags yeah. on everything. Yeah. <coughs> I'm dying. But so that's why I, I can certainly understand how a market has come up for like social uh, media. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a, a brand content manager and stuff. Like you right. know, people that are are managing your social media accounts because it is an awful lot of work. If you want to do it right, like if you come over to Josh's Instagram page at partake goods i mean look at this guys like it's a clean look you know so it looks professional so when people stop by they're like oh baby i am buying a spoon from this guy it's like okay yep that's the log he was talking about that he um <clears throat> that you put yeah, the wood on yeah that's like right carving bench or stump or whatever you want to call it yeah yeah and so anybody listening out there man i hope uh, some of you are finding some inspiration to go after whatever, whatever fires you up, man. Josh happened to stumble upon spoons. I don't think uh, 20 years ago, you know, in high school, did the idea of, of you know, being a guy with a rocker whittling a spoon, like, did that ever cross your mind, you think? Uh, no. Yeah. No. And didn't know it existed. Yeah. And so and I wouldn't have been into it if I knew that it existed. So no, exactly. So it's so cool, man, how these things often kind of come into our lives or, or yeah, cross uh, our, our paths, like just at the right time. If I stumbled upon filmmaking uh, 20 years ago and I had to go through like shooting everything on analog and then physically cutting tapes and pasting it together, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I would have done it, but the fact that I could start just doing it all on my cell phone and trimming everything and put, it's like, oh, dude, this is like kind of uh, just an instantaneous reward. I can see that I'm progressing and it's what I needed. And same deal with you. Like, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm just super impressed. I love that, that you built your own shop. Like, that's really cool. And I'm sure, you know, maybe the fact that you said like your dad had a shop. Uh, behind the house or growing up or you guys had a shop that you guys would work in helped maybe let you know hey that's possible right like my yeah. dad he had a shop and we could go out and work in it so someday i'd like to have a shop and you moved your feet and you did what you needed to do and now and now you got yourself a shop yeah your own pole bar. how yeah. often how often are you out there do you think you spend a good deal of time in it yeah it varies um it's still uh, the inside's not fully finished yet, so there's no heat or air conditioning or anything like that in it, which it doesn't fully need air conditioning, but heat it definitely does need. So um, a few nights a week at least, I'll go out there for as long as I can stand the current temperatures. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, luckily, the axing part... Uh, I need to do out there obviously, but, uh, all the carving stuff I can do inside. So, so yeah, usually I'll focus my time out there and ax out in, as many blanks as I can. And then I'll come inside into the house and carve, carve those blanks throughout the week. Then that's sick. So when you're carving that, they come off, like the, the little chunks or pieces, they come off like a nice solid things. You know, there's not 
like little uh, guinea pig shavings or whatever all over the oh there's definitely the shavings all over the everywhere <laughs> so but nothing yeah. a Roomba can't take care of i got you okay. yeah right it's yeah i'll clean that up but, but yeah it's definitely like any hoodie i put on i can usually find some wood chips in the pockets and <laughs> or like shoes or attach the socks or whatever it's, i got it man. I mean, I, yeah, we we clean, but it's inevitable that there is a wood shaving or two found somewhere throughout. That's got fiber. Long. You can eat them all day long. That's just <laughs> going to help keep you regular. Uh, let me ask you this. So what is it specifically about carving that, like, fills your spirit? Like, is it, do you find solace? Do you find peace? Do you like being like an artist and creating something from nothing like what what is it that really drives you to keep yeah going? i think it's been like a few things it's a creative outlet which like you said we played music and stuff through high school and what not uh, i went to school for graphic design and stuff um so yeah there needs to be some sort of creative outlet for me and it's not always in other parts of my life. So it's so I think that was kind of a natural thing to just be able to be creative with it. And even though it's just a spoon, it's still just a lot of parts about it that are creative. And then um, the fact that it's all hand tools and stuff keeps it sustainable as well. So... I don't have to really worry about being part of like deforestation or something oh, yeah. like that because with the way that I'm carving, I, I can't physically carve enough spoons to, to do that sort of damage. Um, so yeah. Even and if you're using can, trees that are already fallen or damaged from, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, right, yeah, it's kind stuff of stuff that was going to break down and, and return to the earth anyways. Like it's right. Yeah, it's an, a, kind of an important thing to me. So that's that was also part of the natural, I guess, progression that once I started get, to get into it and learn more about it, it was like just one more reason to do it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I guess too, it's you only need a few tools. Um they can be expensive if you get nice ones. So that's, I guess that's another aspect of it that I enjoyed is the tools. Um, there are a few like mass produced tools available, but there's also a huge focus on handmade tools Oh, for spoon carving. So you start to learn who's forging them, where they're located and everything. And so you go after, uh, the tools that you want and support somebody that's doing also doing another traditional craft like blacksmithing and stuff. Um, so that was a neat side of it. Uh, I forget where I was going before I got off on that tangent, but yeah. So you're down and you've always been down with nature. I, f I feel kind of, were you into fishing? I don't, yeah so or yeah something? we did fishing with my with my dad again when we were young and everything and then um probably shortly after high school or maybe during high i don't think it was during high school probably shortly after uh i got more into fly fishing and stuff 
Okay, that's right. So yeah, I was heavy into fly fishing for a little while. And then got into mountain biking and stuff too. So it's just been yeah, a lot of my hobbies have kept me outside in the woods. Huh. Uh, so yeah. And what what do you think? Yeah. Any any reason behind that? Like, do you feel at one with nature? Is it just something about being like away from electronics? Like, are you the type like when you go out to get your piece of uh, to to get the log? Uh, or cut the log and then go to your um, uh, take it to the shop and take the axe to it and all that. Like, do you leave the electronics away? Do you want to totally be disconnected or do you have your phone on you? Um, I'll usually have my phone on me. Uh, at this point I have 90% of notifications turned off all the time. So I don't, okay. I don't really, yeah, I try not to live on my phone or whatever. I'm at a computer enough. Yeah. anyways um so yeah i don't know there's definitely a period of my life where i was heavily into tech and whatever gadgets and electronics and computers building computers rebuilding computers yeah. and all kinds of stuff but um anymore like yeah, i'm still into all of that i use a computer every day i sit at one all day for work but okay um so yeah, that could be part of it. It's just at the end of it, I, I just need a break and just go out into the woods or something where it's quieter and no screens and stuff like that. Dude, I I dig it, man. Some of these um, some of these campouts I've been on for like the secrets of the Sasquatch and just some really neat stuff out in nature. It's like, oh, dude, the people following the Dockside Media channel, they probably think, oh, dude. Oh, Tyler, he probably, he must have been like tent camping forever. He's just going out taking filming equipment and other people. It's like, oh, he wouldn't be putting people in danger, jeopardy in like 25 <laughs> degree weather. It's like, oh, no, nah, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't really have, like, I went and got the experience. So now when I keep going, the more I do it, it's like, I feel even more comfortable. But it's like, okay, man, if we can get a fire, we're going to stay warm. If we've got mm -hmm. tents for a little bit of shelter, we'll be good. <clears throat> and if we got some sleeping bags that are rated for cold weather, man, we dandy, right? And because like people have been surviving out here forever. And so I love the whole aspect of like even getting kind of cold, right? And like, like toughing through it. And that next night, bro, when I'm sleeping in my warm bed, oh my God, like it makes me appreciate that so much more. So, like, I dig, I can get down with the nature and stuff, like the hunting. Uh, I never get anything, but I go out and do it. Um, like fishing, like, I like being out there for a guy that's real high energy and stuff like that. I think a lot of people would be surprised. Uh, like, I'm real good at just, like, kind of disconnecting and just being in the moment and fishing, not catching anything either, uh, necessarily but just like enjoying the peace and the quiet and just hearing the stream and and like the sounds of nature and yeah man it fills me up like i totally i totally love that yeah i think it's kind of yeah it's energizing and and whatnot i don't know so it's, it's kind of always been my natural thing is to just yeah, like even with fishing like you said it's not really about catching as much as you can just kind of the experience and getting out and having something there to occupy your mind or whatever and get into 
um, yeah, and just enjoy the, the experience. But yeah, even like from the beginning, it wasn't uh, like on opening day or whatever, or mm. um, certain areas people will follow like the stocking trucks or whatever. They'll know, they'll know the schedule and know where they're going to stock certain streams. Yeah. And for the most part, like uh, a couple friends and I that did it would the only reason we might find out the schedule is to go somewhere else because it was uh, more okay. about getting away from the crowds and just yeah having the quiet and then and you trying to catch like the native fish instead of the stocked fish and stuff like that yeah oh opening day trout opening day in pa if you have if you're listening and you haven't done it I mean, you got to probably experience it one time because it's, dude, it's nothing but assholes and elbows, dude, all <laughs> along that bank. Like if you're at a spot that's stocked, um, you know, if people are researching it. Definitely. But, you know, people know. But uh, sometimes you'll show up and dude, yeah, you got 30 people on a bank on this side, 30 on the other bank on a 15 foot, 20 foot wide stream. Right. <laughs> and yeah. everybody just, oh, dude. And, and uh Oh, it's, <laughs> it's it's crazy dude it is yeah, it's yeah. crazy it's madness so i'm i'm with you on like oh dude i'd rather yeah i'm down with not catching as many fish and, and just going and finding like a secu uh, more secluded spot um that's always fun dude how about this too man how how dope is the fact that you stumbled upon this uh like in 20 you know the partake goods and and the carving in 2018 i mean bro think about like say you even stumbled upon it in 2000 and it was, Oh, we got a, somebody commented some, finally some fishing content from Josh Mueller. Yeah. We'll give you a little bit more fishing content here in a second, but let me get back to this uh, anecdote. Um, but dog. So even if you stumbled upon woodworking in tw uh, like in 2000 and loved it, bro, what are you doing? How are you growing a business back then? You're investing mad capital running newspaper advertisements, getting a stand at Roots or something, um, like setting up a table outside your house. Like the fact that you can – now, the website you built, you had to pay for, but the Instagram, the um, like the Facebook, the stuff that you started off on to get 2,000 and some followers. Like, dude, like – is this not the perfect moment in time for somebody to want to take a shot at their dreams and be an entrepreneur? Because you can get whatever your, your product or service or dream is out there to people. Yeah, for sure. Even I would say even locally, uh, even locally, like around Lancaster, um, the past like five years or more, there's like a focus on like handcrafted stuff and small business seems to have been kind of growing. Gotcha. So, so uh, yeah, a lot of what I did was on the web and it was, yeah, like you were saying, far less expensive than more traditional methods to get the word out of a new business. But um, uh, I did get in. So there is a, market locally called creatively Lancaster. And I think okay. I was, it was like the second year maybe that they were doing it. I, I had a stand at their shows like every month. Um, so yeah, even the local, the local stuff was kind of just 
good timing because I think there was a lot more focus on that sort of stuff when I was first getting started with all of it. Um, whereas, yeah, if it was 10, 20 years ago, there was, uh, I mean, maybe I was just wasn't aware of it back then, but it feels like there was just less opportunity for that sort of thing back then. Gotcha. Yeah, man, I will forever be thankful and grateful for just, man, the times that we leave, that we live in, um, man, from getting to experience like Pong, right, on Atari and like, uh, you know, right. Mario. Uh, and I remember going over to your house, bro, when I was like nine or something, and we uh, World Cup soccer was big. Right, yeah. Remember that World Cup soccer? And yeah. we played that a good bit on sleepovers. <laughs> uh, but, dude, so like to go from that, to you know the ps5 and and just high-end pc gaming with really high frame rates like and um playstation vr or oculus or some sort of vr headset it's like holy cow bro and another 20 years all right we're in our mid 50s and we i bet we can't even conceptualize the kind of games uh, and like imagery that we will be able to experience and i guarantee i i feel like they've been probably making this tech now but I feel like the haptic feedback, like you're going to be able to smell your environments. You're going to be able to feel the things that are, that are engaging with you. And it's like, Oh my gosh, bro, this is insane. Like life imitates art, right? Like sci-fi movies been talking about that stuff probably for a long time. And here we are. Yo, hold up. Um, Just since we do have my man, Josh Mueller watching, I don't know if you dropped out. But you want to throw uh you got any what's your best fishing story there, Josh Rittenhouse? Sorry. Uh um, any big catches. Um the biggest uh, to- probably the biggest trout I've ever caught was on Christmas morning. I don't know how long ago, probably like seven or eight years ago. Oh so me and a friend of mine used to go out uh Christmas morning before we would before all the family get-togethers and whatnot we would go out first thing in the morning and go to a stream and fish for an hour or two or whatever and yeah usually that the same type of deal it was um it's just kind of calming before the craziness of everything that day Mm -hmm. Um, we never really expected to catch anything when we went out usually it was cold enough that you spend more most of your time cleaning the eyes out on your rod because they would they would ice up from the yeah the water off yep, the in there fly line um but yeah it just so happened we were out one christmas morning donegal creek which was like 10 minutes from where i was living at the time and um yeah caught the the probably the largest trout i've ever caught was that morning how many inches? Show us with your hands and give us a verbal. Uh, I didn't. I didn't measure anything, but it was. Uh, let's. I don't know how to give good frame. Oh man! I don't know. It was probably like fifteen to eighteen inches. Decent size. Pulled over. Uh, trout in Donegal Creek. Donegal Creek is a super super small so. There are big trout in there, but um oh yeah, and fifteen to eighteen. I know, like growing up, it's like, oh, dude, you want to catch bait. But if you've gone trout fishing, dude, fifteen to eighteen inches is a big trout. It yeah, was, it was a good size trout. Yeah. The only thing sometimes are bigger are those um, uh, 
palminos or whatever sometimes or whatever they are you'll see them like throw one of those in once in a while you know like the big hook jaw or whatever in the front yeah Uh, now what were you cat what'd you catch it on do you remember what your your bait was uh we were fly fishing so it was probably a streamer like a woolly bugger or a stump buster okay Um, you tie them yourself as well the fly Yeah, so it's been a while. I have, but yeah, for a while I was heavily into that as well. So I think I'm still kind of working off the supply that I tied 15 years ago or something. Man, you're like Jeremiah Johnson or something, bro. (laughs) You're slaying anything out there in the woods. You got it all. Well, I'm telling you what, we got a nuke drop, and guess where I'm heading? Your pad. Your pad. (laughs) I'm on my way. I'll bring my little knife. I'll whittle with you, dog. <clears throat> um for the if we still got josh out there and man i was trying to find it on facebook i could not find it but dude i caught a massive oh man uh it was down in the dominican republic ooh, maybe like 2015 or something like that dude it was a massive uh dude what kind of shark was it i can't remember now Man, what a what what a what a downer, dude. I can't remember the name of the shark, but it was massive, dude. Everybody wigging out. And it was crazy. It was one of those like uh, kind of group charters or whatever. Okay. Um, like not the big ship, but we had like one, two, like maybe six people, I think, on or eight. Okay. And ah, uh, dude, when we hooked into that, right? <laughs> it was insane. They're like, oh man, like they hooked it and um you know, like they sit you down in the chair and so I, maybe I was closest or something. So they sat me down and they gave it to me um, first okay. dude, and I'm reeling, you know, and you got like a harness and all, whatever. Yeah. Bro. After like 30 seconds, forearms shot dead. Yeah. Like I am like, Oh my dude, somebody else. So we just kept tapping people in. We had <laughs> one dude who was like, maybe late forties, early fifties. He was from Russia and an MMA fight, MMA fighter. Like, I don't think he was like a popular MMA fighter, but somehow it came up that, Oh, he's in MMA. Like, okay. They explained why dude. Cause he was the only dude that probably would sit there and crank for like three minutes. Everybody else, like after 60 seconds, dude, like you had to tap, man. Like you, it's insane having that large of a fish on the line and a getting close, you know, somewhat close to the boat or like getting near the surface. And those things are that powerful. Like when it wants to, it just and just runs. You're like, oh my (laughs) gosh, dude, we just, all that work for the past hour for nothing. That thing is hundreds of yards out. Um, But so I'll forever remember that. And we were like, um, and it was just a crazy experience. Yeah. Pulling that thing up and you got the gaffs or whatever. Right. Yeah. Oh no, bro. It wasn't. Completely lied, dog. Completely lied. It was not a shark. It was a swordfish, bro. That's okay. what it was. That's awesome. Or a marlin. Damn it. I think it was a marlin. I know no fish. So if you're out there and you're <laughs> fishing, don't listen to this podcast. I'm not sure what any type of fish is called. But this is why I remember it was not a shark. It was a, a, uh, it was a blue marlin. Because definitely blue marlin. Hell yeah, it finally came to me. Because I remember, dude, people are gaffing it and stuff. We're trying to pull this like 500 pound or whatever it is, like giant marlin up over the side of this boat. And yeah. I grabbed the uh, like the snout um, mm-hmm. with my hands. And oh my gosh, dude, like we got it up over. 
But dude, my hands were like just like shredded, bro. It was like sandpaper on that on that like oh, okay. uh, the, the, like the snout of the marlin. It was insane, yeah. dude. Like rubbed all the uh, yeah, like all, all all my skin off my hands. It was nuts. But it and I remember the people were like, oh, like the the crew in the Dominican Republic. They were all like, oh, um, what they say? We were like, oh, can we get some like steaks off this or something? When everybody goes back to the resorts, yeah, we can have them like you know, grill them up, cook them up. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's no good eating. We're like, oh, okay. And then, like, we get off, like, we, like, leave, and we're, like, we're Googling it. It's like, oh, no, dude, this is saying it's, like, good eating. It's, like, you know, valuable. I'm like, oh, they just made a ton of money off this giant fish. Because, <laughs> like, everybody on the – all the different boats, like, talking all day, like, nobody out in the ocean were catching anything. Nobody. I think we were, like, the only the oh, really? group the only boat and it was nuts too because we were like i forget how many you know 20 miles out whatever it was and we're out for hours and hours and hours and like nothing right i think we had like maybe one barracuda or something like that and like we're coming all the way back and like we're only i forget a mile or two from like shore and thinking oh dude well this is it man i guess we didn't we're not getting anything and that's when like yeah that thing it was like something straight out of a uh discovery channel show dude yeah. because like you're like you know you're like on the boat facing back like looking at the wake and like 50 yards out you just see a blue marlin come jumping out <laughs> of the water like hitting the lord like what fish on let's go yeah let's right. go. josh Mueller, there's your fishing story and it's not a shark you go back to my facebook profile dog you'll find it it is <laughs> a blue marlin and matt said jay-z will attest to that he was there yo alien girl what up thanks for the shout out um, you know, speaking of aliens, <clears throat> yo, Josh, I hate to do this cause, but I feel like I need to wrap this up because I've got a, another podcast, uh, <clears throat> coming up like to be interviewed for conscious contact, full disclosure. It's a documentary that Chris Rupert and I finished, and we're going to have some, some dope news about it here uh, at the end of this month, as far as like a release date and that kind of thing. So I got to go hop on that and talk and plug that up. But again, for anybody here <clears throat> who's been tuning in, yo, we really appreciate it. Please drop a comment, drop a like, hit the subscribe button. Again, I got Josh Rittenhouse with Partake Goods. Um, visit his website at www.partakegoods.com. Tons, tons of dope wooden spoons coffee scoops but name all your spoons real quick josh so people know what you got uh it's mostly cooking spoons coffee scoops eating spoons serving spoons if you want to, yeah yeah they're the main so anything that, that you order. need scooped he'll even do a custom uh pooper scooper for you for your pets <laughs> a wooden pooper scooper and he's going to use, he's got a type of wood that uh, <laughs> is like it automatically kills bacteria. So you can scoop the poop and then bring it back inside. No worry about stink or anything. That was all made up. Nobody, <laughs> nobody could buy that stuff. <clears throat> but um, thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been a blast. Do you have anything else you want to mention? I don't think so. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Dude, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So again, Partake Goods. Uh, most of their activity is on Instagram at partakegoods.com. Josh, 
Thank you so much, my man, for coming on. You have yourself a great rest of the day. Uh, excuse me. I can't. I made it the whole way through the episode of <laughs> Burp until the very end. What a pig. If my girlfriend's wa watching, babe, I am sorry. I, <laughs> I did not mean to. So until next time, keep on keeping on.